This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Eric Maroon, or should I say Scoops Maroon? Hello, man. It's uh, It's been a little bit. I can't believe Scoops is still in your Twitter name, by the way. It, I remember yeah, I can't believe it either. changed that several years ago, and it's uh, it's still a thing. Probably would have been around 2014, just kind of started as a inside joke with some of the Hardwood Proxism crew and just never got around to changing it. So I'm going to roll with it. That's really weird. Sorry, I'm eating pizza as we're recording, so I'm I'm doing a lot of different things. I'm multitasking. We were talking before we started recording that I am doing a lot of different things at once right now, but I, I can't say no to pizza even during podcasts. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting, like with certain people on basketball Twitter, where I, I don't realize how many years it's been. Steve McPherson's another good example of this with certain things where it's like, oh my god, a lot of time has passed. I've known this person online for years it, it suddenly and it, like what you're talking about like you changed that in 2014 and for some reason i remember when you changed that and like i th- I, I it's bizarre internet right and twitter explaining this to people in the future is gonna be very difficult yeah i have no idea i i'm never going to explain it to my kids because i'm sure there'll be 20 other different websites that we're occupied with by the time that they're old enough to start working on the internet so I'm, i fear when that day comes so your kids do not have Twitter yet? Uh, they do not. They are three year old, mm. three years old and uh, 10 months old. So not quite. <laughs> so almost there, though. Almost yeah. there. But already as intelligent as most of the people that I interact with on Twitter. <laughs> so we're, we're halfway there. True. Um, man, like, so obviously you are a big Cleveland sports guy. And I think there's a lot happening in Cleveland. So I wanted to talk, um, especially with it being Christmas time. I know that this is just the perfect time to reminisce on just what's going on in Cleveland and the season that was. And I don't know. I feel like this is suddenly a really good time to be a Cleveland sports fan, even though the Indians obviously have not won the World Series title yet, but they're contenders. The Cavs won their title and they're still a finals favorite. And then you have the Browns that, you know, if they win one game, is that a successful season? I I, I don't know. I believe Hugh Jackson's comment last year or at the beginning of this season was that he would jump in a lake if they go one and 15 again. And to Mm. his credit, it does not look like they're going to go one and 15. It looks like they're going to go. Oh, and 16. So I guess he kept his word, but yeah, uh, the, the Browns, we don't know yet. Yeah, that's true. But we, we kind of know (laughs) (laughs) the Browns are just kind of there to balance out the, uh, the run of good luck that the Cavs and Indians have experienced over the past, three to uh, three years or so yeah i it's weird because the indians i think their window's good for at least another year or two but the Cavs, obviously a lot is um gonna be up in the air after this season but the browns man like they're i just think it's so interesting like john dorsey not off to the best start like 
he had a very Phil Jackson-esque comment of like, we're going to get real players in here. That just seems like something Phil Jackson would have said during his time in New York, of like while Carmelo was there, something he would tell his confidants like, we're going to get some real players in here who um, love meditation and are willing to sit on the edge of their chairs for 10 minutes and really get in deep thought instead of sulking and falling asleep um, in the chair, which shout out to Ian Begley in that ESPN piece today, highlighting that relationship where that is an anecdote in there about Phil and just the crazy stuff that he was doing and Mello just not being there for it after several years. But I, I just think it's, it's a weird start for Dorsey. And it, I think it was just kind of uncomfortable how that all came together so quickly. Like it, it was clear that Haslam wanted to bring in Dorsey, but I'm kind of bummed that I was wrong about my next general manager head of football ops in Cleveland. I was betting on Peyton. Jimmy Haslam is super close to Peyton. I was betting on Peyton Manning being the one to take over from Sashi Brown. And I it was mistaken. I mean, let's keep in mind that it is Jimmy Haslam. So Peyton might still be the GM by the time the draft rolls around. John, he might fire John Dorsey by then. Who knows? Uh, everything is on the table when it comes to Jimmy Haslam and the Browns. But yeah, being somebody that's a Browns fan that's living in Indianapolis, I am inundated 24 hours a day, it seems like, with Peyton Manning talk of, is Ursay going to hire him here in Indianapolis? Or you know, Jimmy Haslam obviously has the Tennessee connection with Manning. Is he going to buy? Is he going to bring in Manning uh, to the Browns organization in some type of role, whether it's a team president role? Uh, obviously, it's not going to be a GM anymore. But is there still a front office type role for him there? So it'll be interesting to see where Peyton ends up. But yeah, I'm, I'm not ru- ruling him out by any means still being involved in the Cleveland front office or Indianapolis, neither of which would really surprise me. Do you know who I would definitely wouldn't roll out jumping into that Cleveland front office? Who's that? A guy who has a lot more time on his hands. Papa John. Ah, Papa John, a, a fellow Ball State graduate of, uh, of mine. Graduated a, a number of years before me, but yeah, I always used to point out when I was a tour guide at Ball State that he got a C plus on his business plan when he was in the entrepreneurship program there. I have no really? idea if that's actually true or not, but I used to tell people on my tours all the time. So <laughs> we're wow. going to assume that it's true. That's that's <laughs> the legend that I always heard. So it got passed down. I don't know if it's an ur- urban legend or not, but yeah, that's the word going around the Ball State campus at least. Well, I'm going to have to go ahead and X off Papa John's as a potential future sponsor of the Chase Homes podcast. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, probably a good idea. Some. Some fall, but uh, yeah, Papa John and Peyton have a long connection with each other. Doesn't he have like seven or eight franchises? I feel like he does. Yeah, it's something like that. I know he's mm-hmm. he's in for a decent amount of money. LeBron went the other way. LeBron went with the Blaze Pizza route, which is phenomenal. I don't know if you guys have Blaze Pizza down there, but it's really good. Blaze Pizza. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's kind of like a Chipotle style. You go down the oh, assembly line okay. type thing and pick out what ingredients you want, and then they, they do it up in about three minutes or so. Okay, I'm in. I would try this. What I'm not in for is AJ McCarron in Cleveland. But on the other hand, I was thinking about this and just going through different Browns quarterbacks since 2000. And I hate that this was my thought of like, you know, I think AJ McCarron would immediately be the best Browns quarterback of the last 17 years. Yeah, he would be up there. I don't know if he would be the best. Derek Anderson actually made a Pro Bowl in 2007. I think he was like a 12th alternate, but he made the Pro Bowl. Uh, his his 2007 season was really good. Tim Couch is probably the most talented quarterback that they had. 
it was just the fact that being an expansion team, they couldn't build a line around him whatsoever or give him any weapons. But I think that if you would have given him enough weapons and protection, Couch would have succeeded just on sheer talent. But after uh, Brian Hoyer had a nice little run in, in uh, 2014. They were 7-4 and four at one point before the wheels totally fell off and they lost the last five games. But uh, top five quarterback, you could probably talk me into, McCarron. But I was extremely thankful that however they botched that trade, whether it was the Bengals' fault, the Browns' fault, somebody's fault, the fact that they were that close to giving up a second and a third round pick or whatever it was for McCarron. Uh, I was very thankful that that did not go, go through. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to happen now. I think too much has happened. I think it'd be too weird for them to still end up with McCarron who uh, my prediction is now is going to be the week one starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Who would you guess my prediction is now? Uh, Kirk cousins on a ridiculous contract, like a one year, $30 million contract or something outrageous. As a Kirk Cousins apologist, I will not allow him to go to Cleveland. I'll do whatever it takes to keep him away from there. So, no, I do not have Kirk Cousins going to Cleveland. No. Are you going to say Eli? I am not. I think oh, Eli okay. should be going to either um, – I actually talked about this with Ethan last week on the pod that I don't like the fits that people have thrown out, like Jacksonville and Denver and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, teams that make more sense to me are like – um. What, the why am I blinking? Oh my god! Oh, the Cardinals were mm-hmm. one. I think they're just still a team that's built to win now. And if you just insert him in there, you give him a shot for a year, that makes more sense to me. And um, yeah, but no, it's not Cousins. It is, and the other team that was my sleeper that I thought made sense for Eli was the Ravens. Like if the Ravens, Ravens even get just a slight upgrade, um. Or Tampa Bay just goes full like 2005 and brings in Eli and John Gruden and makes the the best nostalgia team. Um, oh, there we go. Give a, yeah, let's go full nostalgia. <laughs> Contenders but, uh, win the 2005 Super Bowl. There you go. Um, no, so my pick, Alex Smith, is going to be your week one starter in Cleveland. Yeah, with the, with the Dorsey connection. Yes. Uh, yeah, a- Alex Smith would be by far the best quarterback that the Browns have had since 99 if that were to happen. Uh, okay I, I, could, that? I, I could definitely see a scenario where you bring in Alex Smith for a year or two, you draft, uh, draft Josh Rosen, number one overall, have him learn from Smith for a couple of years and then kind of turn the reins over to him. I could definitely see that as a possibility. And yeah, I, I would be okay with that. I, I just okay. want the team to be watchable. Like you, you said right before we hopped on the factory of sadness. If you've ever actually watched that video, that Mike Polk, the comedian from Cleveland, put together yelling at the stadium and calling it the factory of sadness, which coined the I whole thing. Oh, so Mike Polk is a comedian from Cleveland. He goes on a rant after, I think they played Houston back in 2013. And he is just screaming at the stadium and saying, we don't even want, want you to be good. We just want you to be watchable. And we, we basically just want you to look like you're playing the same sport as the other teams in the NFL. That, uh, that video was made in 2013 and I still feel the same way in 2017. It's remarkable. Oh man. Well, either way you win. I think all Browns fans win. The two options are AJ McCarron or Alex Smith in 2018. I don't think you can go wrong there. No, it's two it's proven really winners. Puppies and rainbows over here. Kaiser's done. It's sad. It, um, I think it's over. I, I, I don't know how to fix this. I think Kaiser should go to like 
New England or something and be the backup there for a couple of years and like rehabilitate his career. They should trade him to New England. Yeah, he could just go the uh, Garoppolo route and just end yeah, up that's... as a franchise saver a couple of years down the line. Yeah, I think that's where if I had any power in this, I would send Kaiser to New England to be the new Brady backup. Yep. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, it's funny talking about Kaiser. I have a direct message to a couple of uh, fellow Browns fans. The morning of April 28th, which is the morning of the second round of the draft, and I go, they're going to end up with Kaiser today. I can feel it. Having one in 12 overall with one of the top three QBs sitting there at 12 and still ending up with the fourth best quarterback in the draft is too perfect not to happen. (laughs) You know what else was too perfect not to happen? What's that? The Browns taking Johnny Mansell instead of oh, Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. Yeah, or or Derek Carr. Or Derek Carr. I don't know. The, the Derek not Carr, not that either of them are I, world I beaters, Derek... but good God. Yeah. Hey, well, hold on. Teddy Bridgewater is a world beater. Teddy Bridgewater, the glove, got the best reaction of the NFL season. That was insane when he came on <laughs> the field. I was so upset because my, one of my roommates, as we were watching the game, just casually mentioned that he was going to throw a pick on his first pass and i was like no he's not and don't ruin this for me this is a really (laughs) emotional moment for me as i wrote a very impassioned column um when he first went down for the cauldron and i i just have always loved teddy and i loved him in college and i just thought like he was just one of those dudes who was just going to be under the radar but really awesome so i think i i think i figured out that i just love 15th or 16th best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's why I love Kirk Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater and guys like that. I just have this fascination with guys that are not quite elite and probably won't ever get there, but they're good enough to win at least one title and go on one run. But yeah, like I was, I was very, I remember being very pleased when the Browns did not take Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in that. The, the way I always explained it to people is that I was a hundred percent in on the Johnny Manziel experience. I was like 20 to 30% convinced that he was actually going to be a decent QB. But uh, Vince McMahon is bringing back the XFL, though. And if you need a face for the XFL, it's got to be Manziel, right? I mean, isn't he trying to turn his life around? I feel like that's a huge de-evolution in his character arc. Johnny Manziel to, after try to rehabilitate his career, go to the CFL and then be like, all right, well, I guess none of this is going to work out. So might as well just go back to my full heel mode and be an XFL quarterback. But then again, wasn't the best XFL quarterback Tommy Maddox? Uh, the XFL MVP, if my memory serves correct. Of the Los the, Angeles or Galaxy. Or the LA Extreme. Oh, LA Extreme. Why did I say Galaxy? LA Extreme. Isn't that the uh, MLS team out there? Yes, there it is. Yeah. And that, yeah. Mm. Yep. Did they play the Outlaws in the finals? I don't even remember. I don't remember any of the teams outside of the LA and Las Vegas teams. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. There is there were the Maniacs with like twelve mm. X's in their name, I think, but I don't even know where they were from. <laughs> that was very cool back in the day. Well, the XFL, sure, let's bring it back. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, well, what a perfect time! I mean, as people oh are being more conscious about concussions, CTE, the overall debilitating effects of football. Let's bring back the league that didn't have fair catches and marketed themselves on being you know Donald uh, Trump's more violent push than the that. NFL. He's going to retweet XFL highlights. Like that's where this is going. Is like this joint admiration and alternative to the NFL. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get these weird retweets from the president of the United States pumping up the XFL. 
Yeah, like AJ Styles is going to come out and start handing out Styles clashes if anyone kneels during the national anthem. To the anthem. Birmingham Barons or something? I think that's yeah. a minor league team. Um, Birmingham, I, I don't even know. Bandits? I, I, I don't yeah, know. there you go. So that sounds right. Um, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to it, honestly, because I really do want a minor league system, like the US, something like the USFL for the NFL, but this is not what I want. This is the exact opposite of what we need as a culture, the XFL to come back. And I can't think yeah. of anything more like late 90s, early 2000s than the XFL. So I, I just, I, I can't wait for Limp Biscuit to be doing the intro music for these games. Like, it's just going to be really bizarre. Because Vince McMahon is not up to date on pop culture. If you watch wrestling, like I do every week, the one thing that Vince McMahon does not spend his time with is keeping up with everything else in the world. Like, he is too inundated in his day to day wrestling life that. I just I can't imagine him knowing anybody now. So him jumping back into the world of professional football, like I I, I don't imagine him picking somebody, a, an artist or anything else. Like the halftime shows, going to be remarkable. Just everything is just going to be remarkable. I can't wait. It's going to be a disaster. I saw Dave Meltzer say earlier that Vince McMahon lost seventy million dollars on the XFL the first time around, and I think that's going to exceed that this time around too. But who knows? Right, well, we've we'll, talked we'll too much goes. about the XFL. We're already giving them free publicity, so maybe it will work out. And I don't want to be responsible from this podcast. So let's put yourself in John Dorsey's shoes. What are your main off-season plans uh, this year? I, I mentioned it before about Cousins. Whether it's Cousins, whether it's Alex Smith, whether it's somebody, they have such a ridiculous amount of cap room. I think that they just throw a huge one- to two-year offer at a veteran quarterback, not going to be a world beater, obviously, but just somebody so that you're not forcing yourself to throw Josh Rosen or Darnold or whoever they happen to draft number one. I think it will be Rosen, but God only knows who who it will end up being. But you throw that big money offer to get somebody to come to Cleveland and make them an offer they can't refuse type thing. Have the rookie quarterback go through maybe at the end of the season, week 15, 16, 17, when you're out of playoff contention, which I'm sure that they will be. Maybe then that's when you plug them in and you can give them some uh, give them some real live reps uh, in game, but bring them along slowly rather than doing what they did with Kaiser, which was throwing throwing him to the wolves in week one. Um, The pass defense has to improve. Uh, The run defense has been excellent this year. Uh, it's one of the best run defenses in the past 10 years, but the defensive scheme, I mean, Jabril Peppers is playing 60 yards off the ball. It seems like uh, I, I think one of the best tweets I saw the other day is somebody said that they have three different sizes of TVs in their house. That They have like a regular size, a wide screen, and then a Jabril Peppers screen just so that mm-hmm. they could actually see him uh, in, in the screenshot. Um, it, they just get torn up by these short and intermediate routes and tight ends just carve them up week in and week out. So they have to find somebody that can that can scheme correctly and somebody that can actually cover in, in pass coverage. Um, would have been really nice to have someone like Jalen Ramsey, but he's one of the many, many pro bowlers that they've passed on since 99 um, and electing to take somebody else instead. Yeah, I um, I think it's gonna be interesting. I, I do hope it ends up being where they get the top two picks in the draft, which is now a possibility. 
that would be super interesting and what they end up doing with that. But I'm just hoping for fireworks. That's all I want from the Browns is continued fireworks. I want a disaster firing situation with Hugh Jackson. I want, I'm, I'm sorry, this is hurtful. I shouldn't be this hurtful, but, but if the Browns are going to be bad, I, I don't like boring bad. So let's be, let's be fun bad. And if they're going to continue on this track and it's hard for me to see a situation where Jimmy Haslam turns this franchise into a, good long-term team because i just i he's um allegedly a very bad guy so i i don't know i i have my doubts that jimmy haslam is going to turn the cleveland browns into a long-term winner you could easily easily make the argument he's the worst owner in sports and that is saying a lot because there are a lot of terrible owners in sports these days but yeah you from everything from being investigated by the FBI for the whole flying, uh, flying J scan, pilot flying J scandal to the complete mismanagement of the Browns. You could talk me into him since he was formerly a Steelers minority owner that he was sent from Pittsburgh to Cleveland to just torpedo the entire Browns, uh, franchise. I, I would buy that conspiracy theory. I mean, they have been okay. so bad for so long under multiple ownership groups, but particularly under Haslam, it just seems like no matter who the coach is, no matter who's in the front office, they just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it's, it's almost statistically impossible to be as bad as they have been since 1999. It's remarkable. (laughs) Well, real players are on the way. And speaking of real players, (laughs) there are real players in the Cleveland Cavaliers. There are. There are. They're like, what, 23 and 9 right now? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Turns out, the sky's not falling. They just needed Derrick Rose to step away from basketball. It turns <laughs> out that's a really positive thing to your team in 2017. And Isaiah Thomas is coming back in a couple weeks. Not planning on Christmas. Steph's not planning on Christmas. That's kind of a bummer. But, yeah, I I think it's, it's going to be fun, especially when Isaiah comes back because his defense is going to be bad either way, but make it fun. And I'm excited to see that five man closing lineup that they're going to trot out. Is there like, are you at all concerned about the Cavs making out of the East? Because I am not at all at this point. I'm not yet, but I need to see how it looks. It sounds like he went through warmups with the team uh, earlier today before the game against Mm. Chicago tonight. So he is very close to returning. Uh, I don't know if he'll be playing the next game, but it does sound like he is really, really close. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously not someone that's going to help that defensive rating a whole lot in terms of being able to lock down opposing defenders. But if he can give you more efficiency on the offensive end and all of a sudden you're making more shots and you're limiting opponents transition points or transition opportunities, at least, I think that'll go a long way because the Cavs, for as long as I can remember, the Cavs have been a really poor team in transition defense. And if you're able to get back and set up in a half-court defense because someone like IT, instead of Jose Calderon, is in the lineup, that should help improve the defense a little bit, at least. It's the old uh, Sasha Tapovich, my my offense is my defense type (laughs) of strategy. (laughs) Well, that throws a wrench in my should they bring Isaiah Thomas off the bench and start Calderon for that veteran presence and that starting unit it's just it's hard to teach what jose calderon brings to your team but this is true yeah it's you know it, it we joke a lot he has actually been passable he has been so much better than any of us Cavs fans thought that he would poss- possibly be this year uh somebody that was coming in <clears throat> excuse me 
somebody that was coming in as the third point guard option, really, behind IT and Rose. And then we knew uh, IT wouldn't be back for a while. And we're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, LeBron will just play back a point guard. Well, then once Rose uh, once Rose got hurt and has been away from the team for a while, it's like, oh, yeah, we actually need this guy to play some real minutes. And he's been a, a pretty decent contributor, I think. Where are you with the is LeBron leaving index right now? I don't think LeBron knows where he's leaving. It's all going to come. Ooh, down I don't to believe this. that. I think he knows. I think he's known for a while. I think he's like, he just seems like a super planner to me now. I think there's so many people involved in his life. This is my conspiracy theory that I, I do think he's like mapped out the rest of his NBA career <laughs> already. Okay. Like I think he's already <laughs> mapped it out and there's like three people in his circle that know what his next like 19 moves are. But I, I no, go ahead. I was going to say, where do you think he's going? I I don't know. I just think he knows. <laughs> That's all. I, I'm not going to throw a prediction. I don't think he's going to the Lakers. But if I'm LeBron, and I've said this for a while, is that I just would stay in Cleveland I just or stay in the East. I just don't understand the idea behind him going to the West. And like that whole comment about Melo and LeBron teaming up in Houston and stuff and that idea that they've pitched to each other. Like, you still have to go through the Warriors, but why would you not want to wait until the finals? Why do you want to do it in the Western Conference finals? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's the thing. It's like, okay, if you rule out him going west, what other east team is he going to go to? People have floated Philly, but it's like, eh, does he really want to go to Philly? Or I, I don't even know. He's not. He's not going to the Knicks. He's not going to go back to Miami. So I, I don't know. I, I think it all depends. Really, I don't think that his mind is made up, and I think it comes down to how this season ends. If they get blown out again by the Warriors in four or five games, maybe he does look for another opportunity, and I I don't know where he goes at that point. But if they're competitive and they lose in six or seven games or something, and they look like they're close, there's no reason for him to leave again. You know, he's he's got three kids now. Yeah, I I mean, he's he's got three kids now. You have to you have to pack up your kids. You know, send them to different schools, do all that. I I think with everything that he did to get back to Cleveland, it's hard to see him leaving, but the ultimate goal that he has is catching Jordan with six rings. So he's going to go wherever he feels that he has the best chance to add to that championship legacy of his, and he'll, so he'll make his determination from there. Yeah, yeah, he'll just join up with Golden State. Oh, man. That Golden State Twitter. I, I would just never log off Twitter if LeBron forced his way to Golden State. That uh, that that would be the worst, best thing. Because, I mean, that Paul George wants to be in Golden State stuff is popping up here and there. And I'm here for this nonsense. This is just, it. it's a su- it's a fun subplot in the NBA. So I've it's the best league in the world. I would agree. I, um, I'm interested to see I'm very, what, how Isaiah fits in. I think they're going to be really fun. And I, I'm sad to report that I'm very close to leaving the Wizards are my upset pick coming out of the East this year, Island. I, I've treaded water for as long as possible, but unless they make a move to acquire somebody like Boogie or someone else, that um, I just don't think it's happening. Walls missed too many games. Beal's awesome. Auto Porter's awesome. They have all the ingredients except for that one final piece, and they just don't have it, and they're barely in the playoffs as of right now, but yeah, I, I don't I don't particularly like it, but yeah, I think the Cavs are in the best position to make the Circumference final or make the NBA finals, I should say. 
And yeah, that's, what a, lot, that's what a lot of teams have faced in the East since LeBron, <laughs> you know, LeBron's entire career, especially since 2011, uh, the first year that he went to the finals with the Heat. It's like, you know, you've got a lot of good pieces. You've got teams that can make a run at LeBron, but you still don't have LeBron. And that's <clears throat> that's the ultimate trump card to have when it gets down to the playoffs. All right, man. Well, where are you at with Cleveland sports? Are you anywhere moving on or, or like, are you ready to call it quits or are the Indians enough and the Cavs enough for you to power through this for an, at least another decade? I mean, I got nowhere else to go. I, I keep okay. telling my wife. I mean, you're in India, yeah. you have an out. And if there's anything that's having a moment, it's indie <laughs> sports with Victor Oladipo. Now is the time. <laughs> yeah, well, Sports plural is going a little bit too far. I don't know if you've seen the Colts this year, but it has not been not been pretty. He's very good. Malik Hooker, get excited! Yeah, torn ACL. He'll be back in eight months. (laughs) Um, Jack Doyle's okay. Marlon Mack. Yeah, sweet. No, it's funny because they played on Thursday Night Football last week or two weeks ago. Whenever it was, and it was the Colts against the, the Broncos, Broncos which is just yeah. a god awful football game. And there were radio hosts. There, there were radio hosts in Indy that were literally on the air saying, "We we literally do not want to talk about this game, but we're basically contractually obligated to acknowledge that this game is going on. But all we want to do is talk about the Pacers and pretend that this Colts season does not exist or that the team doesn't exist right now because it has been a long struggle." Man. Well, LeBron hit a fadeaway dagger apparently while we were recording tonight and oh, nice. um, over the Bulls. So, spoiler alert, that's when we're recording this. But yeah, things are great in Cleveland. They, um, you know, things are pretty good. So, I think the Browns are going to be interesting to watch. John Dorsey seems kind of like an asshole, but, you know, things could be worse there. And I think the Indians are going to be good again. So, that is your Cleveland sports update that I think is necessary for all Cleveland fans that are down on another Ofer season in Cleveland. That uh, the Browns, you know, AJ McCarron might be on the way. Kirk Cousins, who knows? The possibilities are endless. Alex Smith, you know, you still have the Indians and the Browns. That's Cleveland sports right now, which is better than it used to be. I think being able to say at least we have the Cavs and the Indians. As long as Game 7 stays up on YouTube from the 2016 Finals, I'll be okay. All right, man. Well, Eric Maroon, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. This is always fun. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye now. All right. Bye. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas Podcast, and I'm joined by one of my favorite wrestling writers at phillyinfluencer.com. Everything Philly. It's Mr. Philly. It's Nick Picone. Nick, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Man, I appreciate that. And, uh, one of my favorite podcasters right now uh, joining the show. So I I'm always love joining the show. So uh, looking forward to getting down to it. So what did you think, first off, of Clash of Champions? I... This was a weird show, and I remember, I mean, I wrote about this on chasingwithpodcast.com, but I I think it's funny, and it's typical WWE fashion, that a pay-per-view that used to be called Armageddon, SmackDown-only pay-per-view, I grew up with it, it mm. featured a main event that was basically an Armageddon situation for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, because <laughs> it was a last match, because if they lost, they're fired, 
So it would have been very organic and made sense to call this pay-per-view Armageddon because the show was not built around the champions. This entire show (laughs) was built around a traditional classic authority versus angry subordinates and their jobs were on the line. And I just, I could not believe that this was not just called Armageddon, that it would have been made so much more sense. Clash of champions. This is what happens when you just give these pay-per-views names ahead of like a year in advance and just try and make it seem topical when you, they just don't, they're not a prudent company. They're not thinking a year from now, how do we make this work? Or like, why to make it not yeah. feel thrown together? Like Elimination Chamber has the same kind of problem. Hell in a Cell, TLC especially has had that problem. I just think it's funny to me that they just, this is why you don't give these kind of, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Kind of gimmicky, I guess, pay-per-views names? Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't like them either. <laughs> just get rid no, of them. I, I enjoyed Clash of the Champions just for the throwback to WCW, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I totally understand. Armageddon was like a great name for a pay-per-view. So, uh, you know, and I actually thought that tag match was going to be the main event. You know, like yeah. I said on the Straight Shooters during our preview show that I fully expect that match to go on last, and I was kind of surprised it didn't. I was I was stunned because I, I was right there with you. I thought this was going to be the closing segment, and I thought this we were the last thing we are going to see was a – hilarious embrace between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as they somehow escaped with their jobs. But I I don't think, do you think they know where they're going with that and the Daniel Bryan chain stuff? Because I still get the sense that they don't know what they want to do there or what their end game is. Uh, that's a good point. I don't, I think this whole angle is more geared towards Shane and Daniel Bryan. So mm-hmm. they're just kind of using Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as, uh, kind of a jump start to that which is great like i feel i feel like that gives a lot of credit due to uh, kevin owens and Sami Zayn, kind of putting them in that position because they know they can help to make that happen and now you know it's basically you know we had on we saw on smackdown they were kind of trying to get on daniel bryan's good side but then he was just kind of like whatever like i don't need you guys type of thing so maybe we're not going to see them pander to daniel bryan anymore so now we're just focused on Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think that for now, it, there doesn't really seem to be a direction for those two. I think you keep them together because they're so great. And, you know, I I don't anticipate this resulting in like a WrestleMania match between the two. But, you know, because they just put it back together in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the end game at this point, if they really don't know what the next step for those two are. And maybe they're just biding time. It's just weird because Daniel Bryan is not cleared. And if he's not cleared, how do you, I mean, is the plan a surrogate part? Like I I don't, you've already done Kevin Owens and Shane to death. Like they have to do something (laughs) else at this point. I just, you have to move these two apart. And like you said, it just is starting to gear towards Daniel Bryan versus Shane. And if Daniel can't compete, are we really going to get like a WrestleMania match where Daniel Bryan like picks his guy and they face Shane in a WrestleMania match? I, I'm tired of Shane matches. Just I don't know if that's a hot take, <laughs> but there's no suspense there. It's it's too hard that like because we know he's going to lose every match that he is in. Shane McMahon has not won a WWE match. I don't think since 1993 that uh, that is advanced 
pro wrestling <laughs> analytics for you. I <laughs> when Raw started, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually the same time. The more you know, it yeah. <laughs> it's just not fun. I just I just don't need it. I I think we're done. I I don't need a Shane McMahon match. Obviously, Shane AJ was a lot better than we all expected it was going to be in WrestleMania last year, but it was still a gigantic waste of AJ Styles. And finally, he's a champion, so it looks like he's going to potentially have something good to do at WrestleMania this year as long as he keeps the title, which it certainly seems like he'll have um, at least two WrestleMania. I just, I don't want to see it. I don't care about the Daniel Bryan chain stuff. I just don't. And I, I don't know where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn go. I, I don't know who the right people to kind of push them towards on this roster because i mean smackdown live i mean they just went through randy orton chinsky are you gonna try and drag that out until wrestling like i just don't we we've already seen kevin versus aj in the last couple months like i just they feuded over the u.s title like i don't know where kevin owens and Sami Zayn can go i'm just not certain i don't think they know for certain but road dog and ryan ward they got to get it together because they've got to they got to clear this up the the tag team scene makes sense. Like the Bludgeon Brothers are clearly getting geared up for a run at the Usos. And, you know, that makes sense. You look at just the placement and the tag division. And if you look at what they're doing at the mid card, like the Ziggler stuff is fascinating. That stuff on mm-hmm. SmackDown is really interesting. I don't know where they're going. That's interesting. Baron Corbin, yeah, Bobby it- Roode, they all belong there right now, I think. Like it, the women's, I mean, so the women's division on SmackDown is. An absolute dumpster fire. And I feel like we need to address this situation because what's happened with the Riot Squad has been a disaster. Charlotte having to work with Natalia at multiple pay-per-views, even though the first one was terrible and we knew the second one was going to be terrible. And it was just... I cannot believe that post-match promo that she gave after losing two. Yeah. It was so bad. Yeah. I don't... I, I kind of... You know, I was like, is this... What is this supposed to be? I kind of... Like, I even rewound it during the live pay-per-view to make sure that... I was it didn't make any following sense. what she was saying because, you know, that was that uh, was it a retirement thing. I doubt it. Um, you know, she, she showed up on SmackDown. I think. Yeah. I don't even. I barely remember that show, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it's like that. That would have been better suited for an actual heel turn before, <laughs> like when she was a babyface. But uh, right now, it just. It seems so weird. Well, was her character supposed to be someone who thought the crowd was into her? Like a a heel that thought the crowd loved her and now she snapped and realized they don't? Like what? If it was, they did a really terrible job of telling us that. (laughs) Because usually we're good as wrestling fans. We've understood the nuances that characters say. The the commentators will always kind of hint towards certain things that you're supposed to pick up. And not once have I heard anything like you know natalia thinks this crowd is on her side or something like that you know she she never seemed to pander to the crowd either it was it wasn't like a kurt angle situation when he debuted where you know he he thought the crowd was on his side and then he was just kind of like what the heck but or like bo dallas you know, when he first debuted on the main roster yeah, where he yeah. thought like the belief stuff people like he was right. delusional i mean i guess there yeah. is some slight element of delusion with natalia's character but not enough for that promo to make any sense and she's yeah. just I, I think people, I don't know. I, I just don't think Natalia's good. We need I, Becky Lynch back. We very much do. She is so great. Like her absence is. Just, you could definitely tell. Yeah, yeah. It's felt. And Charlotte, I just don't know. 
who Carmelo could not have less momentum going into like a potential cash in the next couple of months. Like it's just, yeah. there's nothing you can do there. I think she's going to lose. And I think that would be the mm-hmm. right decision is for her to lose at this point, because it would do nothing for her. It's not going to give her more credibility at this point because she just hasn't been used in the last couple of months and losing Ellsworth has actually been a problem. I think it's mm-hmm. actually hurt her um, in the short term. Maybe it won't long term, but I don't know. I think she's lost a lot of momentum that she had a, a couple months ago, and I don't think the timing is right. So maybe in twenty eighteen, kind of reminds me. Kind of reminds me of a Jack Swagger when he had the briefcase. Oof. Like he had no momentum. Yeah. He had no momentum when he won. Uh, you know, are they just kind of like I used the phrase earlier, biding their time? Are they biding time? And t- for Carmela, just like eventually you're going to cash in. It's going to be like a big surprise. Blah blah blah. But for now, we're not doing much. And they used to do that. A lot for money in the bank winners, which I always so, disagree like, with. That's not how you yeah. should do this. There should be momentum. I there agree. should be anticipation. There should be like it. I mean, the edge stuff was great. I mean, it was the first one, obviously, yeah. but there was build up there, and it felt big. And it was like Edge was being. He had this new character, and it was just, <laughs> it was just good. But it was a build up because he didn't win the briefcase when he was the rated R superstar. Like he, had, right. he just built he got more and more momentum and people were ready and when it happened it was a big deal and everything else and it it jump-started his career as a main event guy it transitioned him from basically like the Dolph Ziggler zone to main eventer for almost a decade like I just I think it's there's a way to do this I mean I I don't I don't know I don't want to go too grinchy and angry wrestling fan but I think (laughs) this is one of the things that is a problem where it kind of uh, I think you back yourself into a corner when you give the briefcases to certain competitors because if they if you don't already have a long term plan for them, then it just makes it complicated and weird that they're just on the outskirts that you can give them the title at any point. But I think rather than just putting the belt on somebody, I think what the bigger um, the bigger strategy should be is how do we make team uh, make viewers want to see this more than anything in the world and that requires weeks and weeks of building and planning and everything else to just like Mm -hmm. oh we're ready for this person to be champion so that when they finally do win it it's a gigantic deal and not something super deflating that is definitely going to happen if Carmella catches in anytime soon yeah yeah you said something I absolutely agree with it it just seems like if they do have a plan and that consists of uh, we're just gonna wait, and she'll she'll appear every week. But once we finally have her win, then we'll then we'll focus on her. I, I think that's a mistake, and it's backwards. Uh, you, 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 it absolutely is. And in order for somebody to cash in the money in the bank and really have the crowd, like the crowd will pop no matter what. I think just because of the su- surprise element, people want to see that. I know. I think in Philly, maybe out of Raw or SmackDown, uh, somebody. He's in cashing in at a show that I was at, and I was, like the crowd was kind of pumped up for it, even though uh, I don't remember when that. I don't remember what year, and I, I don't remember who it was. So that kind of just tells you right there, you know, there probably wasn't a lot of momentum going into that show. I can't remember who the heck held the briefcase, but there was a there was a tease, and it never happened. But you know, the crowd will, will the crowd there will kind of respond to it, I think. But at home, I probably like probably just watch it and be like, what are they doing? It, it, it within the context of a story, like it doesn't really make sense when you, you purposely put this person like Carmela out there every week with really nothing to do. And then you just have her cash in and then it's kind of like it falls flat. 
that's like overall. I mean, I I definitely agree. And I just, I, I think Carmela's talented and she's gotten a lot better than when she first debuted, but it's just, there's no time in the short term where you can put the title on her. And also I just don't think the crowd likes Charlotte. I don't think they would pop Mm. for her to win over Charlotte. I think they would be kind of annoyed. I don't know. I don't know what they do. They need to do something because the riot squad has been a disaster and I just can't believe they brought them up the exact same way as uh, Paige. And yeah, it's just absolutely. so lazy. Yes. And there was a way of doing this. And I think Ruby Riot's great. But Liv Morgan cannot be a heel. I'm I'm convinced that there's just something naturally like about likable about her where mm. people just don't want to boo her. She just has too much natural likability. And her attire is baby faces. And like, mm. I just... Sarah Logan, I think for sure, will be a heel probably for a while, but she's super green and I don't think she was ready for this push. I don't like her mic skills are, are not great. And I just, it's just bad. And I don't, I feel bad because I think all three of them are very talented. This was just a bad way of bringing them up. And I don't know, it just seems like you have to do Ruby Riot versus Charlotte next. You have to go down that road, but I, yeah. I don't. I don't know, man. I, I'm just yeah, I'm really down just, on the SmackDown Live Women Division because it was so good for a while, especially when Alexa Bliss was over there, and I thought it was a much mm-hmm. better and deeper roster than Raw's, and now Raw has everybody, it seems like. And NXT now, you know, they're, they have a deeper, if you look at the roster, the NXT Divas, I, ooh, I should not have said Divas, the NXT Women's <laughs> roster is deeper and just better overall than one of the main shows SmackDown. So I just, mm-hmm. they need something. And Lana is still on that roster. Nikki Bella, it would help if she was around. Cause I, I mean, Nikki Bella was awesome and Tamina's not good at all. And she's still there. Like, it's just, it's bad and they need something. I don't know what they need, but maybe with the women's Royal rumble coming uh, next month, maybe we get some part-time or some, um, ex uh yeah. wrestlers who can like jump back into smackdown at least temporarily as they kind of bridge this gap between more nxt call-ups or something they just they need something yeah i think that's the smart decision to go where uh you've announced the women's royal rumble we know that you know everyone on the main roster currently like they they can't fill out 30 slots uh it, i'm assuming it's going to be 30 slots like i, I don't understand why it wouldn't be um and I would be against it not being 30 slots. Anyway. I would do 20. I would. <laughs> you, you can bring up some NXT, you know, women and then fill out some legends. Or if you want to go May Young classic participants that aren't under contract, you can have them appear. And if you want to assign them to like a six week deal or something, you know, just something where they get exposure, they kind of make, especially on SmackDown, you know, Raw's women's division has, has you know, it's been better recently than it was, uh, but I mean, maybe you can use those women on both shows. I don't know, but uh, I think you're right when you when you kind of said you were down on SmackDown's women's division. They really need a spark right now. And I wanted to succeed. I mean, I, I love it. I don't yeah. mean to just kind of shit on this division, but it's just not good right now. It's <laughs> in a bad place, and you got to do something. Well, I love, I love the Rumble. Like, I love that. I do too. They're going to have one, so. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that even the lead up to that to win it. Who do you think is going to win the inaugural? Oh, Oscar! I guess it has to be right. (laughs) If um, but that's a good. Does that count as a a loss? By the way, is that a loss if she doesn't win? I don't know. I don't know if it count like for the previous, uh, you know, rumbles where people have been eliminated. I don't know if they technically count that as a loss, Mm. but uh, you know, it 
it would be the match to have her, you know, not win. But uh, I, I think she does. So there are some names, obviously, that I would love to, like, just thinking about people who could come back and get a pop. I think Eve Torres would actually get a nice pop. I don't know yeah. if she'll ever come back, yeah. but she was so good at the end. She she got good way she, too yeah. late. It was just, yep. it sucked that she got to a really good place in the company, and then she just seemingly left at her peak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's kind of cool to be able to say that. Like, AJ Lee's the same way, where right. she left before people got tired of her, but I would love to have her back, obviously, and she would just be incredible for SmackDown. Like if you were, if there was a yeah. way to get AJ Lee back, that that would be my number one pick, obviously. But you know, I mean, yeah, that would be. Now, uh, I know my co-host Brian Isley mentioned uh, that the other night on the Straight Shooters, and I think AJ returning at least just for that one night. That would be maybe the biggest surprise they could ever do. It'd be a huge <laughs> and, and, and for something music. like that. That music hits. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know. Would they? If, do you, it? if they if they want surprises, you know that that's the go to right there. I think uh, like Rousey, I think would be a surprise too. But like AJ Lee, because like, everybody knows, you know, she's married to CM Punk. Her history that she just kind of left when. You know, she was at her peak too. Well, we know and Trish I think and that Lita will be. both be in it. Like, there is no doubt Trish yeah. and Lita will be uh, in this match in some capacity. I think so. Yeah, Trish will get a really good pop. I think she'll always be yeah. pretty over. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a pass for them to start. You know, the match with one of them. You know, kind of get. You know, the crowd like wow. You know, like yeah. just from right from the start. What is Cherry doing from Deuce and Domino? Let's get her. Let's let's bring her back, <laughs> man. Man, you're going back. By the way, I, re- I was really a fan of them. I really enjoyed SmackDown in those years, and uh, I liked it a lot more than Raw. And Dudes and Domino was one of those, you know, acts that I I just gravitated to. I was like, this is awesome. I can't miss their segments each week. That was Eminem for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want really back. good. I'm good without Molina. We, we don't we don't need <laughs> Molina back. Uh, I'm okay. Were they around the same? Yeah, I think they were there around the same time, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think you know, the Eminem debuted in what, 2006, 2005, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I, I remember really enjoying the SmackDown shows those years, and especially the tag division, because by that point, everyone was down on the tag team, which it was clear why. But, Over under, Vicky Guerrero's music hits. Oh, man. Ugh. I think we're going to think her. about that. I think we're going to see wow. Vicky. In the match? Yes. I think we're going to excuse me spot at one point. We're going to get an excuse <laughs> me. I do. I think we're going to see Vicky. Well, hey, man, if Philly, and hopefully I'll be there. But If you want to get the crowd yeah, that, hot, that like, would get Vicky, a huge, like, yeah. excuse me, and then getting in the ring and, like, getting immediately tossed back out. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely think there's there's just so much potential. I think it's going to be fun. Either way, I think it's going to be really fun. Asuka's a good pick, I think, to win it. But I don't know. I, I I'm not sure yet. I want to do some more thinking on this because I I don't know who the right person to win this is because they did the right thing by having Becky Lynch be the first SmackDown Women's Champion, and I would I I would like to see her win this because I think she could use it um to kind of get back on track. And I mean, she's still so over despite her booking over the last year, which is impressive that she has not really lost any steam, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think she might be my number one favorite pick, but the I think smart money, like you said, is on Oscar winning this. But if you know, and and who knows what's what Raw or SmackDown would do if their women 
don't win the rumble like do they have another rumble like on a raw you know like a battle royal or something for the number one contender who knows but uh becky lynch is just a good as a pick as any because i would love to see her and uh charlotte just fight for the title if charlotte's still champion by then so where do you think they're going with the Dolph Ziggler stuff is he done or is this just I, I, man that's kind of i that was my first assumption you know i was just kind of like wow they kind of did Dolph a solid and like I, I mean i haven't heard anything about him resigning and i think his deal was up pretty soon and you know what better way to make uh you know, get people interested, you know, like them to have somebody that's, you know, leaving soon, just win a title. And they've done it before, you know, apparently with CM Punk, he really wasn't re-signed back then, but like, who, who really knows the true story on that? But, uh, you know, for me, I think this is Dolph's, he's been okay. And it, like, it didn't really hit me uh, over the last few months, what he was doing, but you know, Sunday night, I thought that match was great. It and was having him win for me. Yeah. And that's, I was really it. surprised. The end of days into the zigzag was awesome. That was awesome. And this yeah. the spot, the, the almost pinfall where, um, Baron Corman, it looked like he was going to throw rude out of the ring and rude dodged it basically. And yeah, yeah. hop back over the crowd really popped for that. That was a really yeah. smart spot. Like it was just a really smart match and I thought it was really fun. And you know, mm-hmm. the crowd reacted pretty strongly to Ziggler winning, which was kind of surprising, but and it was cool. I think I think they still like him too, because what was it? A, last October, he was fighting for you know his career, and he won the IC title in a, in a really good match. And mm-hmm. I think that was the main event at No Mercy. And I know the the card was switched around for you know specific reasons, but you know people really popped for him to win that. And even right now, you know the people like him still, regardless of his gimmick and. uh you know, it is something to get people talking. I thought it would be a great way for him to leave, maybe open the door for him to come back if he wanted to, if he's really not re-signed. Uh, and maybe you do a tournament to crown a new U.S. champion. Maybe he comes in, WrestleMania again. I don't know. I don't know how long he's going to be out for <laughs> if he really is gone. So uh, it, it did enough to interest me, whereas maybe a month ago I was kind of like, uh, I wasn't like really feeling it, but. I am. I'm. In, I'm all in now. It makes you want to tune into SmackDown to see if he's back and see where yeah. they're going. I, I think it's fine. I, I'm. Yeah, it's the I most interesting it was thing they've done with Ziggler in a long time. So I thought he was good in that promo this week. I thought it made sense. I think there is a lot based on his interviews in the last couple of weeks. I think there is. This is really just the best sort of heel is the one that you just believe what they're saying and they believe what they're saying. And they think they're right and they have a good reason to be angry and they have a good reason to be frustrated. And I think he's doing a good job of blending those two worlds together. And I think the meta Dolph Ziggler character works for him. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. It's like, um, I'm not excited to see the XFL come back and Vince McMahon continue to do (laughs) mind boggling things, but I am interested to see where this goes uh i'm gonna give you three names who out of these three would you and let's rank them in order of how excited you would be to see them back in or either back or in a wwe ring in 2018 are you ready okay yeah one batista two ricochet three war machine hmm uh i would probably go the way you just listened to them batista batista or ricochet Rick I, I think so because last December I did a show and I said 
my bold prediction for 2017 was Batista would return. Ooh. And we've, we've, we've heard those rumors, uh, the past few weeks. And, you know, I thought he, it was kind of like the wrong time for him to return back in 2014. It was just, he couldn't overcome Daniel Bryan and that whole, you know, movement, which was awesome. By the way, I thought it was a lot better than what Batista could have been. It was just bad uh, timing at that for point. him. It, it really was. But I've always loved Batista from, from evolution to the whole turn and everything. I thought it was done perfectly and he's always entertained me in the ring. I, I think he, he's kind of underrated in the ring. Uh, he's a big guy. Like he can't do like a ton of stuff, but, uh, I think because of his history, uh, I would love to see, he's almost like a Goldberg to me. Like I thought it was kind of cool to see Goldberg come back last year. So I think I would be even more excited if Batista came back. Can't go that Ricochet's... far. I was, I, I, I was adamantly opposed to the Goldberg <laughs> tour last year. Not and, hey, I, there, there's reason for that. I'm not going to tell you you were right or wrong, but, uh, you, you know, right. for me, for, <laughs> for me, I was just like, this is kind of cool. Like, I mean, it wasn't, it, it he didn't won bother the title, me. man. Like he won the universal <laughs> title that happened. It was all, but it was all part of the story. Uh, so like, and, I, I, uh, Oh, I know about the story. <laughs> Triple H loves to tell me about the story and that wins and losses don't matter. And I love that Jinder Mahal, the guy who literally revitalized his career because of his wins, telling me yeah, that wins and losses yeah. do not matter in professional wrestling. It's all about the story. If I hear that one more yeah. time, I'm just going to lose my mind. <laughs> Triple H having hey, the audacity. I, to- I agree with you on that with the wins and losses. I think that's a dumb concept to really believe that wins and losses don't matter. And even if it's a staged, you know, staged fight, like wins and losses still matter. So I don't know where it's they're the coming up with that or why they believe that. Like fans yeah. are not going to attach themselves to someone like and Ziggler pointed this out. Like Ziggler was a lot more self-aware just pointing out that like, they want me to work with these rising NXT talent, but the f- it's not going to be worthwhile because fans know that I'm not winning this feud. So they're not going to get emotionally mm-hmm. invested in this feud when yeah. they know where it's going. So, I mean, it's obvious. I, like- I, I just Goldberg's entire overness was built around his winning streak. Yeah. What are they doing yeah. with Oscar winning streak? This <laughs> I, I'm just this just hey, me up the wall. Li- listen, I'm with you. If Braun Strowman lost to James Ellsworth and he told me wins and losses don't matter, you know I I laugh in his face. So. And they're protecting yeah. Braun. Like that was the whole report of like Vince. Yeah. Like he doesn't want Braun to take a pin in this feud with uh, <laughs> with uh, Brock Lesnar. So they inserted Kane. Why if yeah. wins and losses didn't matter, they would just do one on one and have Braun lose. But no, they're protecting him. Which they him. did. Yeah. They did that already. So I don't know what they're doing now. That Braun's another wrong place, wrong too. time situation because he's super over. He's probably the most over baby face on Raw, but they have no interest in putting the title on him anytime soon because this the three-year story of Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar <laughs> at WrestleMania is the end game. So Braun can't win the title. So if he can't win the title, but you're he's the most over guy on your show and people want him to have the title... Yeah, that's a problem. That's why I was just so annoyed at the Roman and Braun stuff, Braun stuff anyway, and the R- Braun stuff with Lesnar because we know they can't do this. They're kind of stuck because they can't take the title off Lesnar, and they are still committed to Roman Reigns being the next champion. So if that's the case, then you know they th- there's just nothing they can do. But I will say I'm interested with this Dean Ambrose stuff because him being out, I wonder mm-hmm. how much of that throws a wrench in their WrestleMania plans because. My un- impression of where they were going with everything, just looking at the lay of the land, is this company was rebuilding itself around the shield. 
And I think they were hoping to have it, the shield having all the titles moment to close out WrestleMania because if it's just Roman, it's going to fall flat. But Mm -hmm. if Dean and Seth come out with the titles, like, I don't know, Seth has the US title and uh, his tag title and Dean has a tag title and Roman has, um, or I mean, Roman, obviously, I don't think we'll lose that either. So Roman with the Intercontinental and then um, Seth and Dean with the tag titles. I think if they're all celebrating with all the titles and they do that visual, the fans won't boo. So I think that's right. still the plan, but I wonder if Dean can if Dean can't get back in time to cuz I mean it's a bad injury, the bicep injury that Yeah. Had, yeah. Which sucks. I love Dean, but it I I don't know. I wonder how much that changes things cuz they just cannot end WrestleMania this year with Roman Reigns celebrating with multiple titles. It's just they you can't <laughs> do that. Which is why they should have Braun Strowman win it. He should have won it a long still, time ago. He should have uh, won it this summer yeah, when he was the hottest. Yeah, like and, he was, I'm not finished with you yet. Like that's when it should yeah. have happened. And I'll agree that he did lose some momentum, you know, after that. But I think he's done a good job getting get it back, at least for the live crowd reactions and everything like that. And like he's he's shown that he's kind of versatile, you know. Like he can, he's good on the mic, and really he doesn't have to say much and. If you can be like that, and he, he's agile in the ring, like he's not, you know, this Mark Henry type guy, which I love Mark Henry. Oh, that's but, one of my favorite uh, ones of the last 10 years. Yeah. Like, he, he can't do moonsaults or anything, but like, who knows? Braun could probably do a moonsault. I don't know. Uh, you know, for me, you, you can't, for me, and this is my prediction, I guess, uh, I'll throw it out there I'm for ready. Rumble already. But I, I you need, in Philly, in Philly, you need to have somebody win that can really get that crowd going. And I think Braun's the guy. And I, don't I think, think it's he wins. Be Braun. I don't think it's going to be a Raw guy. I think it has to be a SmackDown guy because I don't think you can have Roman win. So if unless you want to do nah. and the I forgot um, who I was talking. Oh, I guess it was Connor last week where we were talking about. If you don't do that, could they do like a Batista situation where he's a raw mm-hmm. guy, he wins, and then challenges AJ? Like that, right. I guess, right. is the other thing. I mean, obviously, there's ways around this. I mean, John Cena suddenly became a free agent, and their explanation for him being a free agent <laughs> was he wasn't drafted to a show, but that's not what the Superstar Shakeup was. It wasn't like everybody right. who didn't get put on another show became free agents, but that was their on air <laughs> explanation was John Cena was not drafted to another show during the shakeup. And I almost threw my TV out the window of like, why am I watching this? What, what is the point of this? But I, I need to get the CBA. I have not seen the WWE CBA at this point, but whatever it is, it's a disaster. And I need, I need clarification on all of these just uh, mid-level exception like deals that WWE is doing. And also, both company, both general managers should have been fired on the spot if John Cena went undrafted and is this free agent just sitting there on the sidelines <laughs> that you could have had whenever you wanted, apparently. So both should be fired, both should be gone, and you know, it stuff like that. I mean, wrestling. Stop making sense, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm fired up on this Friday, but yeah, uh, I I literally just lost my entire train of thought. Oh, uh, SmackDown. So my number one pick mm. would be Finn Balor, and then him challenging mm. AJ. I think that would be the because he needs to move to smackdown anyway yeah he, and i i'm I all about get it down with that i could get down with that i don't think shinsuke and if, aj can work this year i would love to say that it could but i don't think shinsuke's hot enough right now that mm. it would be a worthwhile feud to do this year i don't want that rush maybe you could do SummerSlam next year 
Maybe you could do a triple threat mm-hmm. with Balor, Nakamura, and AJ, which would tear the house down in SummerSlam. I just, I don't think Shinsuke is ready. I, I think we him losing to Jinder multiple times and just losing all that momentum. I just, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think he's in a good place. And it's not the time. I also, my dark horse, I think I said in the show, if I had to bet, because I don't think it's going to be Balor, but I think that's the most logical choice at this point. And then him challenging AJ, but you're not going to like this. My number one pick, Randy Orton. Again? Yeah, I think I think there is a real chance we get Randy Orton versus AJ at WrestleMania for the belt. <sighs> Would that be his third time or fourth time? I don't even... I, don't I lost it, track. It's a lot. And hey, you know what? I am a lifelong Randy Orton fan. I will never leave Randy Orton <laughs> Island, but... It would not surprise me in the slightest. He's my number one pick. If I had to bet on who's winning the Rumble this year, it's Orton. Yeah, I guess, because when you talked about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn earlier not really having a plan, what exactly is Orton's plan? You know, like, will he does he have to turn heel again and go against the faces? Like, or can he just stay face and face everyone? But uh, I think you could yeah, tell the story know with Orton in Styles. I Unless really you move do. him to Raw again, but yeah. you're top-heavy already. So well, I think Batista sure. should go to SmackDown. If he does come back, I, I think that would be, especially with Cena being away, I think <laughs> the right thing to do would be put Batista on SmackDown. And I think there he could a lot of guys on SmackDown could really benefit from working with Batista for a while, especially yeah. if he wants to do a full-time schedule, kind of like the Jericho thing. If you, <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you paired him with Kevin Owens... And Sami Zayn, like if that was the direction they pick, if he comes back, like he gets to work with those segments would be hilarious. And I think Owens and first Batista would be very compelling and interesting. Um, I, yeah, I'd be here for I that. Agree. But Orton's still oh, I, really good. And too. I think when he's motivated, he's great. We saw it in his feud with Lesnar. And like one of my favorite moments of that feud and like just wrestling the last couple of years was when they were attack- They were coming through the crowd and attacking each other on different shows. Like that was just yeah. cool. And yeah, it was. It felt just important and badass and i was just i was all about it so i think when orton's motivated and in situations where he can be kind of this i don't know how like kind of tweener that Mm -hmm. people just buy it i think he loves that i think that's when he's in a really good spot so i think he'd be motivated to really tear the house down with aj and i think the story could be like because aj says he's the face that runs he built smackdown and orton has a lot of he can throw like i've been carrying this brand i've been carrying to be yeah. alongside I, I think there's a lot of ways that could go that would make some or some compelling promos between the two and fans would yeah. split i think there'd be a lot of people cheering both and i think it'd be interesting i, th- I think that could work I, I do as long as the story's good like i know <laughs> i see i'm a fan of the story too like i want the wrestling to be good but i also want a store a good story to follow and uh you know i thought Orton's storyline with Bray Wyatt last year was great up until you know he burned the he just house shouldn't or have beaten whatever Wyatt that just that, shouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought what was it like September? Like the whole storyline started and uh, just built through. I thought that was some of his greatest stuff uh, in recent memory. So, ooh, side note, uh, what do you think? What so, is going to be worse, the Bray Wyatt compound stuff, or whenever we get a Bray Wyatt Matt Hardy? woken compound situation with senior benjamin and everything else what which well, segments prob- are worse i'll probably be the what we've seen so so far from bray wyatt's compound i think uh when you inject matt hardy into there senior benjamin that's that is gold 
Like I, I love that. Those so. back and forth videos on Raw have been terrible, man. I, I want to like <laughs> it, like but them. it's not good at all. Uh, it's like 15 screens too long. Like that, they had like <laughs> five straight like back and forth laughing. It was just yeah, yeah. That you know, the first time I was like, all right, that's pretty funny. But I was like, keep doing it, and it, it does kind of go on and on a little bit, and it just kind of like, all right, get to the point. Like we understand, and I thought it was a good way to introduce the Woken character. Um, but now it's kind of like, all right, I think it's about what three weeks now. So uh, let's kind of move on a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to be uh, I don't wanna be that overly critical. But who is your pick for Royal Rumble right now? Like, if you had to pick, you have to make a pick right now. You had to put like your life savings on it. Who is it? I might regret it, but I'm still going Braun, man. I okay. think the Philly, I think the Philly crowd will factor into their decision. And can you imagine like a segment where Braun picks AJ, and then they like show AJ like looking <laughs> like, oh no. Yeah, um, that would be awesome. Yeah, I think that could be really cool, but we'll see. Braun's not a bad pick. I like I, it. And I know he's in the triple threat, but you know they they can easily just explain. Roman Reigns was in a title match before and showed up in the Rumble match, so uh, it's not. Just because he's in a triple threat match for the title doesn't mean he can't be in the Rumble match. So people have pointed that out to me on Twitter before. I'm like, I know, I get it. But stuff WWE, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> that is, oh, there might not be a better sentence to describe professional wrestling. <laughs> they can do what they want. Vince definitely does yeah. what he wants. I mean, he's an alpha. Oh, absolutely. He's an alpha yep. man. Alpha, alpha entertainment. entertainment. <laughs> Uh, I cannot believe that's real life. I just, I, I can't. I, I mean, I was so close. Uh, Wrestling was so close to becoming mainstream and, you know, just something that you did not get embarrassed about watching and like as you're just hanging out with friends. But then Vince throws a wrench in those plans by bringing back Alpha Entertainment and bringing us back to the Attitude Era. Great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm here for the ride. We'll, we'll see right. how this uh, unfolds. I'm interested. <sighs> I'm morbidly interested. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah, I'm definitely not optimistic. I'm, I'm not going to say costly optimistic. Optimistic. I'll just say I'm uh, I'm interested. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Nick Bacone, thank you for taking the time, sir. I appreciate it, man. Had a lot of fun. Yeah. Like as always. Always. All right. Well, we will we will talk soon, sir. Thank you so much. Yes. It's been awesome. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>